Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. Hello to new friends and longtime friends. So today's episode, we are going to discuss the myth of morality and kind of what I actually mean by that. We're going to talk about morality, God, purpose, meaning, and kind of the pursuit of understanding all of that. And we'll kind of see where the discussion goes. It's one of those episodes I, of course, have some notes, but also kind of kind of see where the discussion goes. So what is morality? So it's a difficult question, right? Uh, that comes loaded with a variety of answers depending on who you ask. You know, cultures, groups, and societies across the world. We we seem to lack a, a universal consensus about moral absolutes, right? And maybe the more important question is, do we live in a universe with objective laws of morality that says you should be kind, you know, love your neighbor and and value uh, the rights of all? Do, is that like an intrinsic part of the universe? But I guess I just raised those questions, but we're not going to cover that part too deeply today. The discussion of objective morality is something I've just recently covered, so I don't want to like rehash that out. So today we're going to discuss kind of the moral story and the moral narratives, you know, kind of take a more contemplative journey around that idea and what that all means. So so even if our understanding of morality, a consensus that helps benefit the, let's say, the progression of society, this agreement doesn't make those moral laws any more real when comparing them to their kind of existence in the external universe. That's what I'll say about the objective morality and subjective morality discussion for today. But here's what I know. Morality seems to extend from culture. You know, first came culture, then came morality. Morality continues to evolve as cultures evolve. Morality remains an important tool to use and a story to live by. It's an emergent story that moves, flows, and and evolves with or without a religious god. And I think that's a that's a key point. With or without a religious god. I don't it's not like it's it's necessary. And we're going to get more into that idea in future episodes of like what maybe God actually means and not in like the traditional sense is God real and like can we prove it with reason in our minds and blah 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 right and maybe God will be an important discussion today in relation to morality so morality exists I'm going to put that out there it kind of exists (laughs) inevitably by us kind of just even if it's created it exists in that sense that we created it and it will continue to exist that's the reality we face is it subjective is it objective? It, it doesn't matter. As a story, morality will continue to provide justifications, purpose, meaning, insight, and a uniting force for groups of people to live by. That's the point. And I want to say, when I say it doesn't matter, like the discussion of subjective and objective, it does matter because there's a lot of people that justify a lot of actions because they believe their religious ethics and religious morality is objective. It's intrinsic part of the universe. Therefore, we need to follow the words of God. Therefore, we need to institute my morality, and you don't have a say in it. You know, that's that's a dangerous thing, so that does matter. When I say it doesn't matter is the sense that morality exists outside of that discussion anyway. So there's another discussion to be had. We can have that discussion of, of, of the subjective and objective morality but there's a whole other discussion of, you know, what is morality providing? This more, I don't know if this is the right way to say it. This more, I would say, meta-ethical approach in the discussion to be had. So 
like most people don't give a, a fuck if morality is objective or subjective. They're going to continue believing in the moral stories we push forward. So what morality do we want to push forward? That's another discussion to be had. And maybe that's the more important question. Now, many cultures see human life differently with more of a kind of universal principle on the value of all life, which can mean a possible maybe evolution in moral principles, not progression, evolution. It's like change. See, almost everyone today we would see the murder of a stranger as wrong, right? And, and, I, and I guess in historical context, too, that the same principle applies. But even if you got away with it, you would still feel the emotional feeling of regret. And I do wonder, like, because pun, uh, the the punishment of, a, like, killing, if, like, let's say you do a wrong and then you get killed for it, kind of like that eye-for-an-eye method of justice back in the day, life was seen a little bit differently, I think. Um, so I do wonder if they had as much of that emotional regret or they think people deserve it. So my, my point is today, I think there is much more emotional feeling of regret amongst most of the population from something like the loss of life. People feel that more intrinsically maybe. Now, why? We have come to, I think, maybe a better understanding that every human life has value no matter their background, their upbringing, or, or societal status. We should cherish life, all life. We, ha- we have seen a decrease in violence and an increase in love across the world. This, this has significance for society, our story, and the evolution of morality, even if it's not some objective or absolute value that we're, that we're um, working towards, right? So even in like a meaningless universe, void of objective morality, the virtue of moral goodness is essential and worth spreading, I think. So... So this progression of my thought brings me to an inevitable conclusion, an assumption even. We live in a world without a religious God, the traditional religious sense of the word God. So what does that mean? What does that mean to say that religions don't, organized religions don't hold this truth around God? And that's not, and that's not even saying, like I've, I've recently covered on an episode, that's not saying I don't believe in God or that there isn't some sense of God, some energy around God, some meaning, purpose behind it, um, some value, some truth in it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the traditional religious God. People aren't going to kind of follow that and there isn't this like ultimate truth in that, I don't think. So how So how do we live in a world without a religious God? That's why I want to make that distinction because sometimes we need to explore, you know, how our ethical thoughts, our morality, our sense of virtue fit into the reality we live in. So I guess you could call this kind of meta-ethics, like I mentioned earlier. So, okay, because we ask ourselves, you know, what matters in life? What is the reason those things that popped into our mind when I asked, what matters in life? Why do, why do those things matter? Why should they matter? And maybe most importantly, why do they matter to you? Why do those thoughts pop into your mind? Where do they come from, right? What is their purpose, so, and an idea uh, I've, I've been really grappling with lately is this idea of faith, a very religious idea. And something I want to add on this podcast, you're going to, you know, you're going to hear me contradict myself, change my mind, be wrong, be right, be right, and then change my mind to something wrong and then come back again. This is a selling point of the podcast, or I'm attempting to make it a selling point of the podcast, like, or, or at least I want it to be a selling point because I see my job or the void of my podcast fills is 
someone that will not stop searching. I will never shy away from admitting I'm wrong. I like to throw this clarifier in for what for whenever I have new listeners. It's not a common style, and maybe there's a reason it's not a common style in the sense of like admitting when I'm wrong or admitting I don't know something, as maybe it would be better for me to pretend I'm like this know-it-all expert, but I'm not. Don't listen to me. I'm a, I'm a dummy. Uh, I put this podcast out there because I think it's information that I found interesting, and I think, okay, maybe I'm going to explain it in a slightly more unique way, a slightly different way that people will better understand it, uh, think about these various issues in a different way and the discussions will be beneficial for people. And I think I might as well put it out there if I'm going to do it anyway, right? So anyway, let's get back to <laughs> That was a sidetrack. Let's get back to this idea of faith. What the hell does that have to do with morality? Well, a lot actually. And maybe we will see where my, my thoughts go today. So in ethics, you inevitably have ought claims, right? Such as as the moral claim that we ought to decrease human suffering. That that's just that's just an example. That's an ought claim. It's not something that is part of the universe, I, I at least from my mind, or at least from my current understanding. But if you listen to my other episodes on morality, this position of mine is, is not a surprising one, right? But something that piqued my interest is this idea around religion, morality, and then also secular morality. Because Religion, in, in many cases, relies on faith over reason. That's kind of like an accepted idea that you need to rely on faith over reason. They are putting forward an essentially unprovable position, but also a position that you can't disprove. That position being the validity of their God. That's a key point here. Their God. As maybe you can make the case through reason for the existence of God, but we are not going to deal with that today. So like I said, their God. For example, be it the Christian God, you must assert faith in that position that your God is the God. And the reason I I bring up religion, God, and faith is because when someone ascribes to a particular religion, it often follows they ascribe to the morals of that particular religion. It's, It's their God. It's their truth they seem to want to follow. Which brought me to the question, based on my ethical positions, must we put faith in morals that secular morality puts forward? And this and this has me kind of leaning towards my, my cop-out answer that I feel like I'm starting to rely on too much. That the level of faith is on a spectrum. Because yes, in life, we put faith in certain assertions we hold. No matter how much evidence, the limits of our minds force us to use faith. But this leads me towards something else. Like, I agree that... Secular morality, it's much more broad than religions often are because religions also often have this kind of like narrow scope. This is what morality is. This is what you should do. Here's the doctrines to follow to tell you what you should do. But within the secular morality community, there's this much more broad spectrum of discussion of like, you know, what is included or what should be concluded, what ought to be included. So however, this this idea of everyone using some level of faith keeps me open to some ideas that religion might put forward. It leaves me open to find value in the ideas religion might have or various religions and not even like limiting this to Christian religions because I think some religions are more valuable than others, right? And I'm, and that's not even to say I find Christianity super valuable uh, because I find monotheism kind of dangerous at times. I'm so grappling with that thought, but 
I like the the idea of kind of multiple gods and discussing what all those mean and those stories and all that. But anyway, sidetracking again. So maybe in their stories, they're myths or simply just understanding their positions in order to address them. That's the, Maybe that's the importance of understanding religion or finding value in understanding people's religions. Because, you know, a, a counter to my point is religion happens to propagate many dangerous ideas in our history from the treatment of women, uh, same-sex marriage, and all-around oppression of groups of people. But maybe one last pushback on trusting in religion I'm skeptical of any group that claims to hold the truth, the truth, the one truth, the the truth we all must follow and you will become enlightened and you will feel the sense of purpose. If you just follow our doctrine, our truth, it's the only way, it's the only way you'll be happy. And I mean the truth. That's the idea. It's like, <clears throat> that's the idea I kind of find to be dangerous when we start talking about organized religion because they're notorious for this. Christians, you know, devout Christians, they claim to know the truth. And I think this is an opportunity for kind of a side tangent. This is a reality I've come to live by. Your skepticism odometer should be going off the charts whenever someone claims to hold the truth of life, the meaning, the moral principles, anything. Because guess what? They have the same human limitations as me and as you. They're not getting to the one and only truth. They are full of absolute complete shit and are looking to take advantage of you. This is in regard to all areas of life. If, if it's a self-help guru on the internet that claims to hold the truth of getting getting rich, you got to be careful. A religious leader pops up claiming to have the divine, this divine connection with God. The fuck you do, bro? And maybe the one I'm I'm noticing the most as I get into the kind of world of spirituality, there is a fuck ton of spiritual gurus out there claiming to be enlightened, have this divine connection with the universe, different from a religious claim, but claiming to hold the truth of the true nature of reality, the connection of the oneness, the connection with with whatever energy of God there is, right? There's a lot of enlightenment spiritual gurus out there that are suffering from an extreme case of what what is commonly called spiritual ego, where they believe they have come to some truth that is better, more connected than anyone else's. And and you should go to them for the truth because they're the one that's connected with this, this divine consciousness in some sense. My point is, be skeptical. Remember, cults always form around charismatic leaders. Don't mistake charisma for truth, okay? So transitioning a bit though, every culture we come across has some form of you know, religious principles, supernatural beliefs, or even some kind of held principles existing on a, a spiritual level. And, and, and why do we do this? And that's, and that's what I find interesting about religion, spirituality, and this idea of like even mysticism, because it, it, it happens in every culture, every organized culture. And some of them have more dangerous beliefs. Some of them have some of them have more beneficial beliefs. And I think it's interesting to start taking a look at those and what that means, because I think maybe it's a natural human inclination to help us understand the world, work together, create stories, and continue to move forward. The natural world we live in is incomprehensibly complex. We do not currently have enough knowledge to understand it fully, nor nor will we probably ever. Even if we gather all knowledge about the universe, our minds cannot fully comprehend 
the grand narrative of truth in the universe. So in one sense, religion, God, and and, and spiritual beliefs are narratives to create a natural order in society. These grand narratives provided a way to help propel a tribe towards progress as, as one. So we designed God and religion to help tribes, cultures, and societies survive, to live another day, right? So the narrative of religion was never about finding the truth, even if they claim it to be the case. They're about maintaining order, sustaining peace, and propagating meaning. And that's where you can begin to become open to picking and choosing ideas, even from various religions. Like I said, not limiting this to Christian uh, religion, because I, I know that's kind of the one I attack in other episodes. It's more of like being open to benefits from various myths and stories of religions. I think maybe we can find benefit in that. So the same grouping of of like tribe mentality applies to the self-proclaimed atheists. They've created their, and this is to kind of like bring it back to secular morality. They've created their kind of moral narratives for the kind of subconscious purpose of survival. This desire for a story, a tribe, a narrative mindset is possibly, maybe it's in our human nature. We can't ever truly move beyond it. It's part of who we are, maybe. Because if you if you listen to my episode on human nature, I'm very, very hesitant to say anything is intrinsically part of our human nature. But these myths, these groups and drives, it becomes this kind of placeholder of our purpose and meaning in life. So this brings me to my next question. You know, what now? What do we do with this understanding of, of morality and stories and and maybe, I guess, a little bit of meaning itself? What is the point of all of this then? So we, we've accepted, let's say we've accepted grand narratives filled with elaborate myths. We started moving past the need for or like an organized religious God, but now we need to, to construct a new narrative for meaning in the world. We need to build a story to prop up that survival mechanism, continue to propel, propel us towards progress and propel us to a better foundation for meaning in the universe. But wait, why why is God replaced that? Why why is it why do we need to replace it? Or why does God need replacing, right? Maybe God doesn't need replacing but needs to be accepted as an individual pursuit. Like we maybe we don't need to have that discussion. Does God exist? Maybe it needs to be about the individual pursuit, the individual understanding. Maybe using God as like this placeholder, you place stuff in. You pick and choose and you place stuff in. You place your experiences in there. Maybe you did have this like divine experience in some method or some way and you're connecting with that and you're like, oh, that's God for me. And and why why should I have a problem with that? It's when people start saying, no, you need to, you need to accept my truth of God. My truth of God is the one. You need to follow that one. And if you don't follow that one, you're just naive and wrong and, and you just need to learn more. You need to read more books. You need to think harder. That's when I have a real problem because guess what? At the end of the day, all we have is our personal experience with things, personal experience, personal understanding, and you need to find your own way of understanding those experiences, understanding those readings you do, understanding those podcasts you listen to. Understanding those talks, understanding those people, those mentors you listen to, that type of thing. Because at the end of the day, it's your individual pursuit, a subjective experience of consciousness with God that you as an individual need to understand for yourself. I can't tell you 
what the truth is. I can't tell you what your truth is. I can't tell you what you experience because I don't fucking know, right? It's that idea. And, and that's where I keep coming back to remaining open. We can find value in certain religious aspects, maybe, certain spiritual aspects, certain areas of philosophy. You can pick and choose. You can, you can find value in things. When you remain open, you find more value in things because you can spin it to fit your understanding of the world. So my, my mindset is maybe we're too far past the state of mind where we can get enough people to believe in an organized religious God. And to me, that's a good thing. That means people have become more open. They become more skeptical. They become more curious. And they've understood this more foundational idea that there is a lot we need to learn. Every individual, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you know, no matter how much knowledge you hold, there's always more to know. And I might go as far to say we don't want I, I would go as far to say, because we don't want this. We don't want an authoritarian figure in the form of God that people feel compelled and forced and oppressed into accepting. We need something else to place meaning upon, and that's a good thing. And also, it's what often happens I see in organized religions is it often turns into this guilt machine where, okay, you're not following these areas. You should feel guilty of that because that's what God says you should do, right? But if you feel guilty, you, you don't feel like yourself, you don't feel good about it. What, what does that have to say? That's, I guess I, I want to like take that thought back. That's, that's too much of a side change to say. But my point is something that fits the needs of the individual. That's at the end of the day. That's kind of the point I want to get across about the myth of morality, the myth of meaning, the creation of myths, that type of thing. Because we've developed so much in our thinking, our understanding of the universe, and our understanding of meaning to utilize the traditional myth of God. But we also need to construct some form of meaning to help continue propelling us forward, moving us to contemplate positive change and a narrative to overcome that void religion filled. Because I think that religion for a long time did fill something. So today, many thinkers are, are bogged down by the temptation of nihilism, unable to believe in anything. I shouldn't say a lot of thinkers, some people. Some people go down this path, they're like, oh, it is all meaningless. Oh, it is up to me to kind of create my meaning. Well, what do I do with that? They replace the religion by putting all their faith in maybe even science. I think that that's problematic to some extent. Although I'm, I'm a strong believer in the importance of science, discovering kind of things about the universe, physical things about the universe. I also think we need, must remain skeptical of many in the scientific community to claim to have figured out the truth in the universe. Anytime anyone says they have the truth, we're done, we figured it out, skeptical of those people. But I respect those scientists that remain skeptical of the ideas that they put forward. They never forget that we are human. And what we know about being human is we have many, many endless limitations. But that's okay, understanding those limitations and then what we do with those limitations, those understandings. And that, and those are the scientists I pursue. I pursue those scientists that admit that, hey, I might be wrong on this. This is the research. This is the understanding I found. This is the hypothesis I put forward. Uh, I think it maybe now it can become a theory, right? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, accept it for now. 
but remain open to the possibility it's wrong. That idea. That's where science is okay, and that's where I fully believe in it, right? But then you have this other area, like I said. However, humans, you know, they're not programmed to believe, to not believe in anything. Think about it. Even nihilists believe in something. They believe in the narrative of nihilism itself. Their belief system is a form of truth about the universe they've ascribed themselves to. No meaning is meaning. And something I often find is people seem to be be pushed towards groups, grouping themselves into something. Let's say, let's say the grouping of nihilism. And we're going to get into nihilism still. I know. I've been like announcing that episode for a while uh, and that, that content. I'm still working on it. But like nihilism, I find that because it's, it's one of those things that people feel like once they've discovered it, I found like some unique truth. I need to, to embrace this truth and it makes me unique. It create, I, they create an identity around it and then they don't want it to be attacked. They don't want it to be, because the idea is, is you get stuck in this nihilistic state. But what does that being stuck in this nihilistic state do? What does that do to you, right? And that's the question we're going to do in another episode. But anyway, let's, let's get back on track. Because here's something that is, is part of our reality, our bodies. No matter your position on the mind-body problem, duality, free will, determinism, our bodies care about survival. They want to reproduce. They want to put that genetic code into the universe. Your brain, no matter how enlightened you get yourself, no matter the strength of your belief in religion, your belief in your morality, your intelligence, your connection to being enlightened, that body is just like the rest of those organic human bodies all around us. That brain that's part of the body from this will be tricked. It will put trust in complex lies, stories, narratives, and myths. Your cognitive biases are sometimes unavoidable. No matter the strength you have in your rationale or the belief you have in your rationale, or the belief you have in your ability to detect truth, your body and brain will fool you. We are intelligent apes, but yet, something we need to remember, we remain apes. So I think the best way to find peace is to accept the moral state of flux that humans can project. The undeniable truth is that our perception of that meaning and purpose is shared at the subjective level for all of us. And that is all the truth maybe we need. But this brings me to how should we act then? How should we act understanding this stuff or believing this stuff or, or becoming more skeptical about this, these stories and this morality? So think about this. Each action you take creates a ripple effect. Imagine a time that you've been helpful to someone or that someone has been nice to you. This gesture creates a physical reaction. The physical reaction comes from the change that actions makes between the person and how they relate to the physical universe. So once you understand the ripple effect of your actions, you can begin to see the potential each action you take has on the culture you live in. Thus, you can start viewing the possible change it can make upon the great kind of, the way I see it is like this web of individual conscious interactions. So meaning isn't stationary. Meaning comes from how you interact with the world. You didn't choose the body you were born with. We can't comprehend the billions upon billions of interactions that consciously or subconsciously influence your every decision, nor did you create the laws of physics that affect everything. Agency is a luxury. So morality is about what we, what we do and how we do it. 
but always be ready to move with the flux of the universe and be willing to travel your own path towards understanding your internal morality, your internal purpose, your internal meaning. Because our reality is with our bodies and brain. With this, we need to embrace the wisdom that our pursuit of understanding morality, enlightenment, moral humility, knowledge, science, you know, agent stories in general, kind of intellectual pursuits is never, ever, 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 ever done. Our work is never done. So embrace the flux of the universe, be at peace with it, and never stop searching. And that concludes this episode for the day. As always, thanks for listening. Check out that Patreon page to help support the show, keep it going, and also you get more episodes like this and more thoughts like this and more of part of my process and also more of a direct line to me if you desire that. I don't know if you desire that. That's fine if you know. Um, but also, there's also another way to get in connection with me is um, through Discord. We have discussions over there, links, books, all that good stuff. Um, and also people that kind of are the biggest supporters of the show are over there. So you can check that out. Check out the YouTube. Check out all the links below. And as always, thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next time. Peace.